Okay, we're going through the book of Mark, which is a, a little book of the Bible written by a guy called Mark. And um, the story we're going through is what's been read and what we saw on the, the video this morning. So we're just going to unpack that a little bit. So this is a story of Jesus' journey um, through his life. So we're up to chapter 5. So let's just go back and review a little bit. And uh, chapter 1, 2, 3, Jesus has crowds of people around him. There are always crowds. And... Uh, there are four, four main players in this story of Jesus. There's Jesus, of course. Then there's his disciples who are following him, learning from him. Then there's the crowds who want to see some action and they want to see something magnificent and, and ooh and ah. And then there's the religious leaders and they are the priests and Levites and they think they are something else. They roll up in their big gowns and think, who's this? dodgy fella and uh, they hate him they're jealous of him because of the crowds he draws and they try and kill him so we only only get up to chapter three in mark and they're already plotting ways to kill jesus and then there's the demons from demon possessed people and they they uh, jesus cast them out of people and they know who jesus is they know they call out and say what do you want to do with us son of god jesus son of god they know who he is and so we're up to chapter uh, 5 and Jesus, last week, um, Jesus hopped in a boat, went across the Sea of Galilee, which is a decent sea, and a uh, big storm came up and the uh, disciples of Jesus who were fishermen, they were, they were used to storms, they were men of the sea, but they were scared for their lives. And uh, they thought, whoa, we're going we're gonna to drown here, we're going to sink. So they call out to Jesus, who was asleep up the back of the boat, and say, listen, wake up, help us, pull the sail in, hold this rope, do that. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. He just said, winds stop, waves disappear. And they did. And the disciples were saying, who is this man? Look, we've seen him heal people. That's been magnificent. We've seen him raise one or two people from the dead, but... Who is this guy? Even nature, even nature obeys him. And the, the disciples are trying to get a handle on who, who, who is Jesus? Who is he? They've still got questions in their own minds. While Jesus is across the other side of the lake, he's met by a man who's out of his mind, frothing in the mouth, screaming, running, cutting himself, who's possessed by thousands of demons. And Jesus cast them all out you remember from the story last week and uh, the demons go into a herd of pig and the, the pigs and the pigs rush downhill and straight into the sea and drown themselves and uh, and uh, the man is normal he's got a sane mind it's incredible and uh, he wants to come with Jesus he wants to get in the boat and go back to where Jesus came from and he says nah 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 Jesus said I want you to do something and this is this is very unique because everywhere Jesus went, there were crowds of people always following him. And he just didn't want attention because of his miracles. He didn't want people just there gawking. He wanted to, to reach people's hearts. So he said, don't, he was often saying, don't tell anyone. When he healed someone, don't tell, don't, don't tell, the, don't tell anyone. So, uh, but anyway, he said to this guy, go home, tell everyone. 
and I'm not sure why he did that. He said, go and tell uh, your family what the Lord's done for you. Maybe because he'd crossed the, the lake and on the other side was where all the non-Jewish people live, all people like us. The Bible calls them Gentiles. The Jewish people today, they call us goyim. I don't know why they call us goyim. It's the word, their word for non-Jewish people. And isn't that wonderful that Jesus wanted to reach people like us who are non-Jewish? And he said, go, go and spread the news. Anyway, Jesus comes back over uh, where, where the story starts. Jesus comes with his, his fishermen, his disciples. They get in the boat and they come across the sea again back to where uh, yeah, Jesus lives. And uh, of course, of course, there's a crowd waiting for him. Let's put up the pick and we'll just have a... We should just start from the beginning. Let's go back to the first pick there. There we go. Today, the, the topic is... A prophet without honour. So we've got four players this time. The curious, curious crowd. There's always a curious crowd. The completely astonished Jairus. That's what the Bible says. The completely astonished Jairus. The cured woman and the cynical hometown people from the town that Jesus came from. So we pick up the story. Thanks, Kath. Um, Jesus comes back in the boat. Boat lands. He gets out, and of course, there's a crowd. The next book Luke says they're expecting him they knew he'd gone they knew he'd come back again so they were there they'd look out here comes Jesus here he comes there's a boat coming and uh, so there's the crowd all waiting let me read um, the first verse when Jesus had crossed over by the boat to the other side of the lake or the sea of Galilee a large crowd crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake always the crowds and Jesus met them with compassion even though he tried to hide from them sometimes and go to a solitary place they came looking for him he couldn't get rid of the crowds but Jesus had compassion on them he wanted he wanted to help them and he did he met their needs and he healed those who need, needed healing and did wonderful things for them but Jesus didn't want people focusing just on his miracles that's why he didn't just want the crowds he didn't want people focusing on the spectacular stuff he was doing he wanted them to really focus on the message that he was proclaiming and the death that he was going to die in Luke the next book it says Jesus says I must preach the good news of the kingdom in other towns because that is why I was sent and the same is true today God would rather that we be focused on uh, the healing miracle of salvation in our hearts not the not the spectacular. So that's one of the main reasons Jesus warns people. After he heals them, he says, don't tell anyone. Don't just keep this quiet. Otherwise, everyone will be around me. And with crowds pushing and shoving it around him all the time, it would be hard for Jesus to, uh, and clamoring around him, it would be hard for him to preach. There'd be people jostling him and pushing and calling out and saying, oh, I want to be healed. And what about this? And... Uh, it would be hard for Jesus to, to preach, and that was his primary objective. He wanted people to open their hearts to him, not just be healed. But the crowds kept coming, and Jesus had compassion on them, compassion to heal them and to, to teach them. And the Bible says in several places, later on in this chapter, it says when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When he looked at the crowds, he had compassion. When his heart was touched, when he saw because there were people in need when he met people that needed healing he had compassion it's a 
verse, it's a phrase that's used over and over again in the, in the Gospels when they describe what Jesus did. So, Jesus, let's look at the next slide. How do you think that things would work if Jesus worked from an office or uh, worked from home during the pandemic? How successful do you, do you think his ministry would be? No, <laughs> no way. Jesus was out there where the people were. He went where the people lived and where they worked. And he touched the unclean. He got close to the sick, got close to those with um, infectious diseases. And he mixed with smelly fishermen. And he got out and got his hands dirty. That's the real Jesus. Jesus never, Jesus would never work from an office. So let's, um, that's the curious crowds, the curious crowds. Let's move to this next part of the story, the, the completely astonished, as the Bible calls it, Jairus. Jairus, um, he was a ruler of a synagogue. Um, in the Old Testament, in Jesus' time, they used to have a temple where they worshipped God. And in smaller towns, they used to have a smaller building where people could gather and uh, discuss um, and preach and uh, worship the Lord. They call them synagogues. It's just a, a Jewish name for a, uh, a smaller temple. And um, Jairus, uh, let me read verse uh, 22. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus, he came there to where Jesus was after he got out of the boat. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. So Jairus was a ruler, the synagogue. He was a man who had an important job. He was uh, known around town. And, uh, but he had a problem. He had a daughter who was dying and dying quickly. He probably, I'm sure he probably tried two or three doctors um, to, to see what was wrong, but with no success. And so the respected leader, the religious ruler from the synagogue, Jairus, he comes to Jesus for help and he probably says, look, respected teacher, um, rabbi, they used to call Jesus sometimes, do you think you'd spare me a few minutes? I've got a daughter, as you see, and she's rather sick and she's possibly dying. I'm concerned about her. Do you think that's what he did? <laughs> what does the Bible say? No, he came in, he fell at Jesus' feet. Now, Jairus lived in a rural area. There are only small towns around, and he'd grown up in a rural area. And he knew death. He knew what death was. He'd seen death in, in family, friends, neighbours, farm animals. He knew what death was about. And so uh, he knew that his daughter only had an hours or minutes to live when he came to Jesus. So Jairus... He's not like others who come to Jesus to ask him questions. Jairus is desperate. He is desperate. So he comes to Jesus, and he, you saw in the video, he falls down to Jesus' feet, right down to his feet, and he says, Jesus, Jesus, pleads. The Bible says he pleaded and pleaded with Jesus. I've got a daughter. She's dying. I've got nowhere else to go. We the doctors can't fix her. She's got hours to live. I'm desperate. I know you can heal her if you want to come. I know you can do it, Jesus. And so there he was on his knees, on his face, not on his knees, on his face before Jesus. He didn't care who he was, the, the religious ruler, all that dignity, all that 
status, that's gone. And he doesn't care who sees him or hears him on the ground, he's desperate. And um, he wants Jesus to come immediately. Let me read 23 and 24. He fell at Jesus' feet, of Mark chapter 5 we're on, and he pleaded earnestly with Jesus, my little daughter is dying, please come, please, and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus started to go with Jairus, and it says a large crowd, here's the crowd again, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Uh, the next book, Luke, uh, tells us that the crowd were almost crushing him. And uh, when you're in a big crowd, um, you've got to go with the crowd. I haven't been in a too big a crowd too many times in my life, but once I can remember I was in a big crowd, it was at New Year's Eve's do, and we were, we were like this. There was no, there was no, there was standing room only. The crowd was huge, and if the crowd went this way, you had to go that way. There was no, there was jostling, there was touching, there was rubbing, and it was a bit scary. We thought if something happened, if someone got shot at or there was a drama, we'd be trampled, we'd be dead. And as we were leaving, we found out that someone had been knifed, and we were pleased to get out of the place. It was, a, it was an uncomfortable, uncomfortable feeling that was in another city big crowd. Anyway, so the crowds were jostling Jesus, almost crushing him. And um, Jairus starts to go off with, um, to, with Jesus to heal his daughter. Now, we're just going to hold it there because this story is like a sandwich. You've got the bread and the inside there's something different. Then we go back to Jairus again with the sandwich on the other side. So we're going to hold Jairus um, right there because all of a sudden someone else comes into the picture there's a woman she's given no name um, let me read verse a few verses here 25 we got up to so Jairus is on his way with Jesus to his home where his daughter is then it just says and a woman was there just an anonymous woman now she had a disease she was subject to bleeding for 12 years she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and she'd spent all the money she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. She wanted to touch him. So this poor woman, she could have been young, we don't know, but she had 12 years with a serious sickness and it was continual bleeding. It wasn't just bleeding from a few days from a periods it was just bleeding 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 and with the loss of a lot of blood she would have been faint she would have been a weak she would have been anemic possibly and uh, she'd suffered uh, and she tried everything tried all the doctors she knew in the surrounding areas and the people who were supposed to help her they only intensified the problem the doctors made it worse so the bleeding got worse and worse and to make things worse, she was now in financial distress because she had spent everything she had, everything, on trying to get better. And here she was, now no money, um, life was uh, a struggle, and uh, she comes to Jesus uh, in a last-ditch stand to try something else. Now... Um, where are we? 
She heard about Jesus, verse 27. She came up behind him in the crowd and she touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Now, let me just give you a bit of a background. Um, according to the Old Testament law in the Bible, rules for living that the Jews had, um, this problem of bleeding made her ritually unclean. And anything she touched or sat on became unclean also. So she was excluded from going to the temple, from, from touching anyone. Any seat she sat on, uh, and someone else came and sat on her, if she was going out for a coffee, they were unclean. And they had to, uh, to do some ceremonial cleaning and then wait till evening before they were clean again. And so she was, her lifestyle was tremendously reduced to bane of existence and Leviticus chapter 15 describes uh, the details of, of the law that the Jews lived under so any, anything or any one she touched would be unclean so she may not have been married who'd want to take her on with a problem like that she may have been married and her husband divorced her because he couldn't cope any longer there's no mention of a husband there we don't know so she knew that she shouldn't be out in public with a bleeding problem because the crowds were jostling and touching each other. Every person she touched would become unclean. And uh, she was keeping quiet because she wanted to be healed. Um, and she shouldn't have been in the crowd where she might touch people, especially Jesus. And because she didn't want to make a scene in public, she didn't come to Jesus like Jairus did and fall down at his feet and say, oh, Jesus, I've been... For 12 years I put up with this, for 12 years. Oh, no, she couldn't do that because someone might recognise her and say, hey, you're unclean, get away, from, get away from here, you'll make us unclean. So she didn't know what to do. So she thought, aha, aha, I can't even touch Jesus because I'll make him unclean. I'll just come up behind him if I can get in the crowd and get between people and jostle and shove and push my elbows about. I'll come up behind Jesus because of who he is. I think that even if I can just, just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. That's my hope. And Jesus will walk on, the crowd will be still jostling and no one will know. And, I'll be, and my story won't get out and I'll be safe. So she does that. She comes up behind, she reaches out, just gets the, the Bible says, just gets the edge of his cloak and she touches it. And what does it say? If I just touch his clothes, even then I'll be healed. She did it. Immediately her bleeding in verse 29 stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from a suffering. Twelve years of suffering. Twelve years is a long time to put up with something so debilitating as that. So she said, you ripper, I'm free, I'm healed. She could just tell it in her body. And she was going to disappear in the crowd, run back home, tell her parents, tell her family, tell whatever, whoever, neighbours. But at once, Jesus realised that some power had gone out of him. Now Jesus could have just kept walking and known, that he, known who it was because Jesus was God. He knew everything. He could have just walked, kept on walking. But... Um, he didn't. He turned around and said, who touched me? 
Who touched me? And uh, the disciples said, come on, Jesus, don't be ridiculous. Look at the crowd. They're all jostling you and touching you. The people everywhere are touching you. And uh, but Jesus said again, verse 31, I know some power's gone out of me. Who was it? Who touched me? Who was it? And he stands there. He stands there until watching and looking, looking into people's eyes. And this woman's creeping into the cloud thing. Oh, oh, I'm going to be caught out. I'm going to be caught out. What will I do? Jesus, verse 32, Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came. Aha, here she is. Now she's falling at Jesus' feet. She's falling at Jesus' feet and trembling with fear because she was scared of being caught out. So... She fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and she opened her heart and told him the whole truth. So with great embarrassment, this woman comes forward, knowing she'll be, she'll be found out, and maybe chased off by people saying, unclean, unclean, get out of here, we know who you are. And trembling also because if she touched Jesus, she'd make him unclean. But she, what does Jesus do? Full of compassion. He doesn't care whether he's been touched by an unclean person. So she falls down. She tells him the whole truth. Now today, if you're watching on the news, the person will be giving the excuse. No, it wasn't me. I didn't do it. No, no, I have rights. I'm allowed to touch who I want to touch. This Jesus, this woman opened her heart and that's what Jesus wanted. He wanted her heart. He, didn't want, he wanted a relationship with this woman. He wanted to be her saviour. He just didn't want to heal her and go on. And He wanted to connect with this woman. He wanted her heart. So she opens her heart and Jesus responds with compassion. What does he say? Daughter. There's an unnamed woman now being called daughter. And this is the only time Jesus uses this phrase in the whole Bible in his life on earth. The only time. He says, to the unknown woman, unnamed woman, daughter. Isn't that a loving response? Daughter, your faith has made you daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's no more harassment from people, no more being unclean. Go in peace and be healed of all your afflictions, all the the dramas that went along with your bleeding. It was a wonderful link with the woman. And Jesus uh, healed her and uh, healed all the stigma that goes along with something like that, that what people think of you and what you were reduced to as a person. It's one thing being cured uh, physically, but another to be healed of all the baggage that goes along with uh, all the stigma and all the, the baggage associated with a long-term illness. Now she belonged. She belonged to Jesus. She belonged to her family again. She could meet with them, live with them without fear of touching them. She could live in a community. She belonged a wonderful thing that Jesus did for her. Not just a physical healing, but uh, she opened her heart and now she belonged.
So that's the sandwich in the middle. And let me read, uh, no, hang on, we'll just pause here. That's the sandwich in the middle. Now we go back to Jairus. Poor old Jairus. He's, um, he must have been hopping from foot to foot, thinking, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus, my daughter's dying. And I know she's only got so long to live, and here you are, this is Jairus. He's crushed. He's crushed because he thinks, Oh, come on, Jesus, you're, the crowd's jostling you. We can't get there. Now you stop to heal this woman, and you could have just walked on, but you're talking to her and uh, relating to her. <sighs> and right then, his fears, his fears come true. While Jesus was still speaking to this woman, saying, Be healed, be free, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, with news and it was bad news your daughter's dead so they would have come up from his house the crowd would have been around they'd be looking for Jairus like can you see Jairus no can you see him no I can't see him hang on we'll shove it in the crowd we'll see if we can get closer no I can see him he's over there beside Jesus um, we can't get close yell out to him then Jairus your daughter's dead your daughter's dead and the and that says they also said don't bother this Jesus anymore don't bother with him. He can't heal her. She's dead. Poor old Doris is crushed. He's devastated. He's lost his only daughter. What to do? What does Jesus say? Ignores what his friend, Jesus ignored what his friends said. He heard, he heard them calling out. Jesus looked at Doris and he says, don't be afraid. Just believe. The word afraid in the, the Greek that the Bible's written in is um, the word phobia or something like that you say it. And the, um, it comes from our English word phobia. So Jesus is saying, look, don't be terrified. Don't have a terrible phobia about this. Don't be afraid. Just believe. So Jesus, uh, verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, who were three of his disciples. So he, uh, and then he went to the home of the synagogue ruler. So he said to the crowd, that's it, you're not to come. I'm going uh, with these three guys and we're off. Stay there or I'll come and have words with you. <laughs> so, so off they went, Jesus and his three disciples. They got to the house. What did they see? Verse 38, when he came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion outside, in and outside the house with people crying and wailing loudly. He went into them and said, why all this commotion and wailing? What's going on? The child's not dead, just asleep. What did they do? They laughed at him. Like Jairus, they were village people, farmers. They knew death when they saw it. They laughed at him. Who are you? So he put them all out. He said, out, 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 outside. He took the child's fa father and mother, verse, 30, verse 40. He took the child's father and mother and his three disciples who were with him and he went in to where the child was, into the lounge on a bed or into her bedroom. He took her by the hand and he said, little girl, just like on the cartoon we saw, little girl, get up, get up. What do you think happened? Do you think she slowly wiggled one finger and then her hand 
and then moved her leg, opened her eyes, wriggled a little bit. <laughs> when Jesus heals, he heals immediately. It's the case all through the New Testament. When Jesus heals, it's immediate. The Bible says immediately the girl stood up, just like that. And uh, I was out at an event last night and I stood up. Because I'm so tall, the blood drains from my head. And I thought, oh, I'm a bit woozy here. I just had to bend over and oh, let the blood catch up. And uh, she just stood up. And not only that, she jumped out of bed and started walking around. Did you see her on there with a little toy, a little doll, just walking around? And uh, at this point, they... Jesus, the three disciples, and, and the little girl's mum and dad, Jairus and his wife, they are completely astonished. Completely astonished. And when someone's astonished, their mouth's open, they are completely astonished. They are blown away. They are gobsmacked. They can't believe it. Their mouth's open. They can't get any words out. They can't speak. I've never seen anything like it before. And then I'm sure the astonishment gives way to just delirious joy. My daughter's alive. They didn't think Jesus could heal her. They just thought once she was dead, that's it. But Jesus, they'd seen Jesus heal people. They didn't think he could raise, raise someone back to life again. They couldn't believe it. And then verse 43 Jesus says, again, he gave strict orders to, his, to the parents, do not let anyone know about this and give us something to eat because you will have been not, not eaten for days and, and in and out of consciousness. So he said, do not tell anyone. I don't want gawking crowds just to come and see something fantastic. I want, to, I want their hearts like he wanted the... The woman's heart with the bleeding, like he wanted Jairus and his wife's heart. Well, that's the curious crowd. That's the astonished, the completely astonished Jairus. And the cured woman. Now we come to chapter 6. We've got a few verses there and we'll finish off. And this we've entitled the cynical hometown people. So verse 1 in chapter 6 of um, Mark. So Jesus left there. He left the home, left the crowds. He's got his disciples and said, let's go on. I want to go to my hometown. Where was Jesus' hometown? He lived in the state or the area of Galilee. What was his hometown? What was he called? He was called Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth was his hometown. Just like calling me David of Hobart or David of Hara. So that's what they did in those days. So Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth was his hometown. So he said to his disciples, I want to go. Let's go off. In those days they walked. And uh, so they walked to Jesus' hometown, which is Nazareth. And that was like walking from here to about Snug. That's about the same distance. So that's a bit of a walk, walking down to Snug. They weren't, they weren't afraid to have a, a good walk. So off they go, down to Nazareth. And uh, there was a synagogue there. Remember we talked about the synagogues, the little places where the Jews could worship? So Sunday they all turn up. They front up to the little church, the synagogue, 
and Jesus got up to teach. And he wasn't like me. He was, he just grabbed people's attention. He spoke and it all made sense and they understood it. And he spoke about things I'd never dreamt of before, never imagined. And they, they said uh, in verse 2, where did this man get all this knowledge? Where did he get all this? What's this wisdom that's been given him? And he even does miracles. But then they say, uh, hang on a minute. Isn't this Jesus the carpenter who had a little business up the road? Isn't this Mary's son? Not Mary and Joseph. Joseph had died by that time. Jesus had lost his dad. Isn't this Mary's son? And isn't he the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Simon? Yeah, for all those people who want to know if Jesus had brothers, yeah, they're, they're named. James, there was Jesus, James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And they said, look, his sisters live here too. We all know them. It doesn't tell us how many there were. If they were... If they had names, they'd probably be called Julie, Joanne, and all starting with J. <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> we know this bloke, and we know his parents. He hasn't been to uni. He's not an academic. He hasn't been to train under a high priest and learn the Levitical law. Who does he think he is? So, what does it say? They took offence at him. They were jealous of him. They took offence. Isn't that terrible? And Jesus says, only in his hometown, amongst his relatives, in his own house, in his own, in his own house, is a prophet without honour. I can speak all around the country. I can do miracles. And crowds come from, every, come from everywhere. But in my hometown, no. Nah. And unfortunately, this is a tragedy. After the first two stories where there was just absolute fantastic endings, this is a tragedy. They put up their noses. They didn't want to open their hearts to Jesus. No, closed up their hearts. No, put out their noses and crossed the street when they saw him coming. Wow. Familiarity can encourage uh, a deeper relationship. Familiarity, the more I know and understand, well, I'll never understand my wife, the more I know my wife, get to know her, the more I can predict her thoughts, her reactions, the same with me, and it, it develops an intimacy in the relationship. But for, for some people, familiarity breeds contempt. That's terrible. And they just... That's how they deal, deal with Jesus. It took offence at him. Terrible tragedy. So Jesus says only in his hometown is someone without honour. And they walked off and closed their hearts. Okay, Conclusion. We've looked at uh, the curious crowds, the curious crowds. And we, sometimes like the curious crowds, we want to see and look and see the spectacular. We want to seek miracles, but Jesus desires relationships.
He calls us out of the crowd because he sees us with compassion. And he wants us to fall at his feet, tell the whole truth like the woman did and open our hearts to him. That's what he wants. He wants our hearts. And we need to fall at his feet and admit and admit that we can't do life on our own. We need him. We can't do life on our own. It's too hard. Why can't we live life in our own strength? Why can't I live life successfully in my own strength? Because I'm sinful and sin defiles me and sin makes us unclean. And when God looks at us, God sees us as vile. It saps our strength. Sin saps our vitality, our joy, our peace in our hearts. And even worse, it separates us from people. We upset people. And we upset God. We don't upset him. We hurt his heart. We break his heart. And it separates us even from God, as it says in Isaiah 59 verse 2, as sin separates us from God. And sin is a terminal disease. Can't cure it. My GP can't do anything about it. No doctor in the whole world can cure this terminal disease of sin that I've got in me. So that's what we see with the curious crowds. But Jesus has compassion on the crowds. And, and our hearts, just turning the tables a bit, our hearts are more likely, much more likely, to be filled with compassion, the compassion of Christ, if we get out among the crowds. It's when Jesus was in the crowds and saw people that his heart was touched. As we saw before, Jesus didn't work from a home office. And let me encourage us to, and you and I to do the same thing. We're not, we can't have a heart that's filled with compassion by watching an ad on TV for needy people. We see it, we've seen it before, it comes on, goes off. We go out and turn the kettle on to make a coffee and it's gone. Let's get among our neighbours, our relatives, our, our own circle of influence and let's be prepared to, be prepared to get our hands dirty for Jesus. The cured woman, she lived as, as, as good as dead for 12 years, too long. An outcast from society, she was ritually unclean and outside the reach of meaningful touch and, and relationship in society. But Jesus comes and provides relationship, healing, new life, purpose. Um, and he calls her daughter. Isn't that lovely? Calls her daughter, offers healing and hope. And healing and hope for our heart can only come through relationship with Jesus if we open our hearts to him. Summar summarising and summing up the completely devastated but then the completely astonished Jairus who couldn't speak words for his daughter, it was 12 years too short. A life cut off for 12 years. That's a tragedy. No parent should have to have, have, to have to bury, ever have to bury a child of 12 years of age. And the Bible tells us in Luke she was his only daughter. Jairus would have been crushed when the news came of her death, as we saw on the DVD. He was crushed when his friends came. Thanks, Catherine, put the next slide up. Are you exhausted from fighting a battle? 
reach out to Jesus. Is your heart tired? Reach out to Jesus. Is your issue a physical ailment or illness or sickness? Reach out to Jesus. Is your problem relational? Is there bitterness? Is there unforgiveness? Is there loneliness? Is there broken uh, family? Reach out to Jesus. Is your issue pride, self-righteousness, anger, rage, whatever it is, reach out to Jesus. Have you lost your identity in Christ? Feeling worthless? Reach out to Jesus. Have you been abandoned? Have you been rejected? Have you been abused, defiled? Reach out to Jesus. Has your family fallen apart? Lots do. Reach out to Jesus. Whatever your issue, reach out to Jesus. We'll finish with the last slide. Thanks, Kath. Jesus is our ultimate spiritual, ultimate spiritual doctor. Jesus Christ who loves us and gave himself for us in Ephesians. While we, while we may feel overwhelmed and alone, he is here. He's always with us and his timing and purposes are perfect, even if there are delays along the way. His timing and purposes are perfect. He's working all things together for our good. His good, not our good. For his good, he has our interest in heart. He knows what we need. He's doing it for his glory, 1 Corinthians 10. And he's conforming us to the image of Christ. Closer and closer and closer, step by step. He's conforming us, moulding us to be like his son, Jesus Christ, if we have open hearts to him. And he's making all things new. Why does he do all this? Because he loves us. And you can see that in chapter, chapter, verse, book after the book of the Bible, because he loved us.